Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's National Catholic Singles Awareness Day. If you weren't aware, I just learned about this last week from my producer, Patrick, that now is the day, ladies, to snag your man because single men... Catholic single men everywhere will have their ashes on their forehead. And if they don't, perhaps they are not the one to grab. I was actually laughing really hard because my producer told me about this last week. And then lo and behold, this is actually on Instagram as a post. I laughed so hard. It's a picture of a guy uh, with ashes on his head. And it says, Dear single women looking to find a nice Catholic guy, tomorrow God will label them for you. And then the description from Catholic Connect says, Women, shoot your shot. It's the only day of the year that you will know whether he is Catholic or a heathen. I found this hilarious. I did not know this is a thing. But it is. So really make sure you are out today, ladies. It's not too late. Let's see on the East Coast, it's only seven o'clock. I mean, you can be out on the prowl finding those good Catholic men and vice versa. And how do you know? You just look for the wedding ring, right? I mean, there, there you go. So there's your singles advice for the day. It is Ash Wednesday. <laughs> My producer's laugh, laughing out on the prowl. Um, it's Ash Wednesday. It's as if it's a Catholic awareness day, uh, as we find people and discover people who say, hey, I'm Catholic too. Thanks for reminding me if you're falling away or didn't know today is Ash Wednesday. Did you know it's actually not a holy day of obligation, but is, uh, to my knowledge, one of the most, if not the most attended uh, day in terms of mass attendance of the year? Which is fascinating. Uh, one of the theories that I've heard from many priests is that um, that it's one of those days that even if you can't receive Holy Communion because of a situation in your life uh, that you're not predisposed, you haven't been to confession, it's the day that you all can come and receive something if not our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the other one is the idea is that it's one of the few days that you get something free, which is why Palm Sunday is also a very popular Catholic day, even for people who aren't Catholic. I have tons of friends who are Protestant who love to go to Catholic Church on Ash Wednesday to receive their ashes. In fact, I was talking to one of my friends earlier today uh, who's not Catholic, and she said, my favorite Catholic would call me on Ash Wednesday. Should I just had my uh, in-home service for my kids with ashes because she wants them exposed to the very Catholic tradition of the Lenten practices and starting it all off with Lent. I was just talking to my husband about how fondly I remember uh, going to 
Ash Wednesday Mass, kicking off Lent as a child, and then going to the Stations of the Cross every Friday, uh, getting to move around the church, follow the stations, see our faith come to life in pictures. You know, it's a form of liturgy, not Mass not being a part of it, where we actually see the pictures. I think it's more helpful for children. You often, if you'd like most parishes, you can move around the church with the priest following the candle and the crucifix, which is so neat and exciting for a child and hearing the stories of Christ's life. Uh, and then, hey, you get food after. At least we had soup suppers after as well. So something to consider incorporating into your home, whether you're single, married, have children. It's a great way to bring your faith to life and do it within the community of your church. So that's something you can work on this Lent as a family as you decide what on earth are you doing this Lent. So joining me today is Catholic licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Sakura. You know him from the Joe Sakura show. You can check out his work at joesakura.com. We can subscribe to his podcast. And Joe, the news is in. Your latest book is out. We're going to share a little bit about that. But if you need advice to know what to work on this Lent, this is your opportunity to talk to a Catholic therapist about that. So I want to hear those lines ringing. 1-888-914-9149 is a number. You can ask now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I just threw up that question box on is- Instagram. If you'd like to ask your question now, Joe, congratulations. Today's the launch of your brand new book, The Whole World is Going Crazy, but you don't have to. Tell us a little bit more about it and where people can pick it up. Well, you will be able to find it on Amazon. Now, don't race out and click on your Amazon account right now, because although it's been published today, it'll probably take a few days before they start printing them and sending them out. But it will become coming out. And I thought, what a wonderful day for this book to come out then on Ash Wednesday, because the book, you know, it was really inspired. I had so many people, you know, friends and family members and clients say to me over the past few years, the whole world is going crazy. <laughs> and I'd always respond, yeah, but you don't have to. This is a choice. <laughs> and so that's what, when I, ha- when I kept saying that over and over, I thought, that's it. That's the title of the book. That is the book. And the book really is about looking inside, if you will, really listening to God and saying, okay, Lord, what kind of changes do you want me to make in my life? And, you know, when I think about Lent, it's funny. I, I almost spend more time preparing for Lent than Lent itself. <laughs> you know, we, we think about Lent and what are you going to give up? And I always think about it and I approach Lent and I say, okay, Lord, is it something that you want me to give up? Is it sacrifice? Is it a change that you want me to make in my life? I mean, that's my orientation to Lent. And I, I think Lent is really that wonderful opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to give up, but what are you giving up for? You know, I think the question is, what are you giving up? If you say, oh, I'm giving up chocolate. Okay, why? Because it's a sacrifice, because it means something. I think when we think about Lent and we think about sacrifice, really what we're doing is we're reorienting our lives to become more godlike, to really become that person, that man, that woman that God wants you to be. Now, you know, as a therapist, I, my kind of my unique perspective is I, I live in this world of psychology, helping people in crisis and trauma and everything else. But I'm also deeply committed to my faith. So I'm always looking at the intersection of faith and psychology, you know. Mm. And the more I learn about psychology, 
the more consistent and, and the more I see it is consistent with our faith, I think, oh, wait, God speaks about this in these terms. And if I could, <laughs> just to start this conversation, I'd love to hear people who are struggling and whatnot. But there was an interesting study, and I, I talk about this in my book, because a lot of people are saying, oh, I just want to be happier, Joe. I want to be happier. And I say, okay, what does that look like? And what do you think you have to do to be happier? Now, here's what's in- interesting, because as you know, Timory, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. And that might sound crazy to people who are unfamiliar with the gospel or the idea of Christianity. But there was an interesting study done in Great Britain. And they had 86 participants, and they divided them up up into three groups. And one group was instructed to perform a daily act of kindness for the next 10 days. Now, not 40 days at Lent, but just 10 days. They said, we want you to do something kind. And another group was told to do something new every day over those 10 days. And a third group received no instructions. They just said, don't make any changes in your life, just go on. And then after 10 days, the researchers goes, they go back, they talk to the participants to complete the life satisfaction survey, right? Because they wanted to measure what does this do? What does it do to us when we're kind, when we give, when we pick up a cross and sacrifice for others? And what they found in the survey is the group who practice kindness and engaged in novel acts actually experience considerable happiness, and the groups who were given no instructions, they no, no change or, or anything like that. So I thought, okay, here's the first key. When we think about sacrifice, when we think about living our, our lives as God wants us to do, when we think about the words that Jesus spoke, pick up your cross and follow me, it doesn't lead to our demise. It doesn't make us more unhappy. It actually helps us to create happiness or that deeper sense of joy. And that was one long sentence. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it points to the fact that when we are intentional about what we're called to do during Lent, a prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, that sacrifice, that giving, that prayer will be transformational for us. And this study shows that that's done in just 10 days. What would happen if you had 40 days and you didn't just do these random acts of kindness, but you did them intentionally, spirit-led, and prayerfully? Yes. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, over the years, you know, I'm a lifelong Catholic and I've done the things that, you know, traditionally people have done. It's like, okay, I'm going to give up sweets for Lent. And hey, if that's your thing, if that's a real sacrifice, then do it. If you can do it for the glory of God, do it, right? I'm not belittling it in any ways. But for me, it didn't change my life. You know, I've given up alcohol for Lent. Mm-hmm. Again, it's fine while I did it, Coffee. but it didn't change my life. Mm-hmm. But when I give, that's what changes my life. Yeah. And I found the same thing. It's more beneficial for me uh, to do something. And often when you choose to do something during Lent, you're having to cut other things out in order to make carve out that time. So maybe you're choosing to go to Mass every day. Or maybe you know, you're starting, if you haven't before, you're starting to dedicate 15, 30 minutes of silent prayer into your day. You have to decide if it's going to happen, what you are going to carve out. Because all of us are busy, but it's just a matter of what we actually make time for in our lives. And I think that Lent is that time where we actually say, I am making time for this. And even if I struggle for a few days or a week during Lent, I come back and reorient over and over again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, when we think about, too, when we think about sacrifice, it's like what, what actually happens when we sacrifice, you know, whether it's giving up chocolate or spending more time in prayer or doing some kind acts for people, what it is, it actually helps us to act, create self-discipline 
too. You know, it's like giving this thing up that we prefer to do for something that is better for us. It helps us to create self-discipline. And there's so much study around what discipline does for us. You know, it, it, it actually helps us obviously to feel better about ourselves. So you think about something like, oh, when I give up chocolate or when I do this, you know, what does that actually do for me? And I'm not saying we sacrifice for our own benefit. We sacrifice because that's what God calls us to do. But actually discipline, the research shows, is that actually helps us to create inner strength and, and character. And it helps us to withstand temptations because when you practice doing difficult things, you know, when you're disciplined, it actually helps to prepare you to do other difficult things in your life. And let's face it, life is about doing <laughs> difficult things at some point. You know, you're going to encounter difficulty and, and obstacles and discipline and sacrifice actually helps to create that sense of character and that will so that we can continue to follow God and live a better life. Let's talk a little bit about some of the science behind this, because I know your book, the new book that came out today, The Whole World is Going Crazy, but you don't have to. Stay tuned. We'll share with you on social media how to purchase that in the coming days. Um, but in your book, you know, you're helping with these very practical things. I know that we talked about resilience here on the show. Um, and yeah. resilience in some ways is built um, by, again, discipline. And I think that's much of what Lent is meant to help teach us is it discipline and discipline in our faith. It, even the catechism talks about how we should work very, very rigorously in order to build and shape and form our character, especially in those younger years to complete that character formation. But I think we live in a culture that doesn't really think about character formation, or maybe you missed that formation within your home. And so now is your opportunity. You're trying to decide what to work on this Lent. Ask a therapist. Joining me now for joining us is Joe Sakura. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist and a Catholic one to boot. Uh, Joe, let's talk about discipline and asceticism. There's been a return to asceticism um, within, I would say, the common laity uh, today and this idea that I'm going to actually really take rigorous sacrifices on. I'm going to really fast. I'm, I'm going to abstain from a lot of different things, perhaps, and maybe from all meat, all of Lent. You know, we're seeing this return to that, I think, in many ways in the Catholic culture today. And a lot of people are asking, like, can you help me understand the scientific benefit of it? So let's talk about something such as what others might view as starving yourself with fasting. What are the benefits to fasting psychologically uh, shown in the data in the therapy world? Well, I'd say this is we, we misunderstand a lot of things. You know, let's just say, and I'm not bagging on modern culture or anything like that. You know, we get a lot of things wrong. Even as Catholics, we get things wrong. But we're always striving to do things better. And one of the things with sacrifice, you know, that, that, that discipline that must go along with sacrifice is it actually helps us to feel better about ourselves when we do something different. Let me give you a, a crazy example, right? And, and maybe we've talked about this. I run, you know, I, I run up mountains. I do wind sprints. I hate running. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it for decades, right? And, and the question is, you know, what is it? about running that is good for me. Well, when I run, even though I hate it, I'm trudging up a mountain, I go, I just want to quit, I just want to quit. And maybe you've experienced this. After I'm done, I go, wow, I feel really great about myself. And it's not just the endorphins that are, are created when you, you know, exercise or something like that. It's that sense of sacrifice. You look at your own life and you say, I've done something very difficult. 
And then you feel better about yourself. And ironically, when you feel better about yourself, then you're more adept at being in relationship. You're more willing, you're more practiced to actually be better at sacrificing for your relationships. And what does that do when you're willing to sacrifice for your relationships? Well, it actually creates a stronger and better relationship, you know, because all relationships require sacrifice. So, you know, the discipline of doing something difficult, of giving up something, of, of you know, that, that discipline, it, it's actually just win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. So conversely, what a lot of people think is, oh, I'm unhappy or I'm depressed. I need to do more for myself. Well, quite honestly, there's no science, there's no research that suggests that just doing more for self creates happiness. It, it really doesn't. It's not there. I'm not talking about self-care. Self-care is, is obviously important. Jesus demonstrated self-care. Frequently, he'd go off by himself and he would pray. He'd spend time alone, right? Mm-hmm. But, but just living for yourself, saying, oh, I need to get more massages this week, <laughs> or I need to take <laughs> myself to an expensive dinner this week, that doesn't create lasting happiness or joy. But the science actually says self-sacrifice and giving and loving others is actually what creates a deeper sense of joy. I want to talk about ways that you can start making those sacrifices in your life. And we'll come to that in a moment. But we're taking questions today. The number is 1-888-914-9149. Ask a therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sikor is with us. He's here to help give you advice as you kick your Lent into gear. Maybe you'd like help on what to work on this Lent or just have a question for advice of what's getting in the way of your happiness. The number is 1-888-914-9149. Or you can ask your question now on social media. Just follow Follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Okay, on Instagram, Miss Faye asks the question, I struggle with staying Catholic after experiencing Protestantism. Can you please help? The question was, I struggle with being Catholic? With staying Catholic after experiencing Protestantism, can you please help me? And something to help her work on during Lent. Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, You know, look, I I think, let me start by saying this. The brain loves novel. We get excited about something new. So let's just say, and I'm going to answer this question indirectly first. Let's just say, Timory, you had uh, friends and you saw your friends, you know, fairly frequently and you were happy about that. But then let's say you actually met a brand new friend somebody with a different perspective, but you really gelled, you really loved them. I want to submit that you would be more excited to be with that brand new friend, not because they're better, not because they have finer qualities than your other five friends, but so there's a certain excitement that the brain experiences when we experience something new or novel. So I, you know, I want to explain this first to the, the callers. Like, when you experience something new, and let's say you're a lifelong Catholic, and then you go to a Protestant or a non-denominational church, and there's wonderful worship music or great preaching, whatever it is that draws you in there, there's going to be a natural tendency to say, wow, this is really great. Why? Because it's something new. And yet, the brain actually craves simultaneously what is familiar. We actually do really well when we go back to what we know. You know, you like to know where you're going to go to bed at night. You know, you want to know 
uh, where your bed is located. You want to know that you can eat foods in the morning, that you can have breakfast, that your husband is going to be there. So there's great comfort in that. So I would say, first of all, dispel the notion that just because you're excited about something, a Protestant you know, uh, experience or something like that, that doesn't mean it's better. It just means mm-hmm. that your brain is receiving that and saying, oh, wow, this is new, this is novel, this is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, at some point, you're going to want to return to what is comfortable and what is normal. And I'm not saying we're Catholics just because yeah. we've been it. <laughs> you right, know, but it's the familiar. Truth, tradition, this familiarity, mm-hmm. this, you know, with the mass. So. I, I'm, am I getting closer to answering that question? Yeah, and so, I appreciate that novelty that you mentioned because sometimes when something seems novel or different, we think, oh, that's great. But often I find, um, especially for Catholics, when we start to look at uh, Protestantism as more interesting than Catholicism, it's because we haven't actually taken a deep enough dive into our Catholic faith. So to answer Miss Faye's question about struggling with exposure to Protestantism um, and you know staying Catholic after that, something I would really work on this Lent uh, is the fact that so often um, one of the things we love about Protestantism is that we feel and think that we are receiving the word of God more frequently. You know, you're diving into sacred scripture. Uh, Perhaps, you know, that means that we're not paying attention to the mass readings enough and that maybe you don't realize that we go through the full Bible uh, in three years if you're going to just Sunday mass. If you go to if you go to daily mass and you're getting the full Bible there, the meat of the Bible in that year. Um, so buying a Bible and actually reading the daily mass readings is fantastic. But take it a step further and start going to mass after having read those readings. So what I'd argue is, one, buy a Bible and read the readings that the church is prescribing for each and every single day. You'll be in awe over how relevant they are. And if you don't have time to read all three, you know, uh, the first reading, the response, Sorial Psalm and the gospel, just read the gospel every day. Dive into it, you know, really spend some time. Um, we'll talk about Lexio Divina. We'll talk about that on Friday here on Trinity and how to do Lexio Divina, that Bible study, that reading of the Bible. So number one, buy a Bible and read the readings of the day for the Mass. But second, live a sacramental life. If you're struggling with interest in, in Protestantism over Catholicism, Joe, I really think it's important to dive into what the sacraments offer. That is the forgiveness, absolute forgiveness of sins uh, that Jesus Christ is offering and receiving our Lord Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. If you are actually receiving the sacraments, I don't think there will be a threat of you no longer staying Catholic if you're focusing on the gift and grace that God is giving to you. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Sakura here to take your questions. It's Ash Wednesday. Do you need advice to help you know what to work on this Lent? Maybe bolster what you're already choosing to work on. Let us know. Ask a therapist. Joe Sakura is with me now. The number is one 888 914-9149. And ladies and gentlemen, it is National Catholic Singles Awareness Day. Look for those ashes and look for whether or not the wedding ring is there because you can be out on the prowl today to know who is who as it is Catholic Singles Awareness Day. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back. It is Lent. It is Ash Wednesday. Do you need advice to help you know what to work on this Lent or how to work on what you're trying to work on? Ask a therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist and Catholic, 
Joe Sikora is joining me today on Trending. Hey, his new book came out today. Uh, congratulations, Joe, again, joesecora.com to learn more. The book's called The Whole World is Going Crazy, But You Don't Have to. It bridges both scripture and psychology uh, to help you strengthen your faith and live it out when everything seems to be going crazy. So learn more at joesecora.com. That's Joe, J-O-E-S-I-K-O-R-R-A.com. I'll post the link in social media as well as in the podcast podcast notes where you can also, by the way, subscribe to his podcast as well. Again, need advice for what to work on this line? Ask a therapist, 1-888-914-9149. Or you can ask now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Wendy from Michigan called. She asked about depression and recognizing when you're going through it. She said, I've had depression spells over the year. It's really difficult to recognize when I'm feeling depressed and negative and whether it's physical or not physical. Joe, do you have any tips for how to navigate this? Yeah, I would say the first thing is, it's an interesting question, you know, almost that she poses. I don't really know if I'm depressed or not. And that's actually not unusual, especially with something like depression, but it can apply to things like anxiety as well. Sometimes it's actually very difficult to be able to identify what we're feeling. The fancy word is called alexithymia. And basically what that means is just an inability to really identify and understand what it is that we feel. So I think that's the first great point is like, you know, is this what it is? You got to look for some common symptoms, you know, if you're depressed. Have you lost an interest in life? You know, do you feel lethargic? Of course, there could be biological reasons for that, maybe poor diet or lack of exercise or something like that. But let's assume you're doing most of the things necessary to support a healthy life, getting enough sleep, not abusing alcohol, eating right and exercising. You know, are you engaging in enough of your social relationships? Do you have that sense of support? A lot of times when people are depressed, one of the things that they do is to withdraw. It's like, oh, I don't want to be with people. I can't do this. You know, but, but paradoxically, we need to do just the opposite of what we feel. We actually have to get out of ourselves and engage with other people. There's also science that supports the whole idea, and we were speaking about this towards the beginning of the show, is that getting outside of yourself, a lot of times depression is we look at our own problems, we look at our own life, and we rightly say to ourselves, I don't have what it takes to get me over this. That can be true. But again, let's go back to scripture. What does God say? With him, all things are possible. So we can overcome our difficult life circumstances. And so I'd say if you are depressed, really work on strengthening those relationships. Get outside of yourself, sacrifice, give to somebody else, strengthen that relationship with God and with other people. Fantastic. And I remember some years ago hearing a talk from a psychologist where she said that a lot of people today have a hard time acknowledging what our emotions are. Uh, yep. Whether, you know, okay, I, I'm sad, but I just, I can't recognize that I'm sad. Or I'm actually, um, maybe I'm angry, but I'm not recognizing I'm angry. And how by understanding what emotion it is that you're experiencing, naming it and going, okay, I'm experiencing this emotion, but I don't have to be ruled by it. That's very helpful for many people as we've lost emotional integrity in that respect. And so even just having like a chart, I think we've all seen them of like all the emotions and the different funny faces that come along with them. And 
just looking through that chart sometimes when you're feeling off and go, okay, I'm feeling that right now. Okay, I'm feeling that, but it doesn't have to rule how I'm feeling is one way to just start acknowledging where you're at on that emotional spectrum to begin with. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the talk that you heard from that psychologist. That's what she was referring to as alexithymia, is, is not being able to identify it. More men actually uh, are struggle with alexithymia than women because girls, right or wrong, and it might, might sound cliche, but you're more acclimated to talking to each other about your feelings. How are you doing? You're more expressive, whereas a lot of men are taught to like, oh, be tough. Like that's, that's the emotional trait, (laughs) you know, just be tough. Okay. But there are a whole host of other emotions that you can experience, but men and women, uh, can actually get better at this, but it's by doing exactly what you're saying, Tim, is like being curious. What is this emotion that I'm feeling right now? Is this anger? Is this stress? Is it something like that? So it can be challenging, uh, but asking that question and naming it is, is a great first step. I have a question for you, Joe. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That's Joe Sakura helping you to figure out and work on things this Lent. Ask a therapist, one 914 is the number. My question is this. A report came out from the CDC uh, over the last couple of weeks regarding teen girls and mental health. I'm sure you've seen it, but one of the things shown in it is that one in three teenage girls have seriously considered suicide. If you have yeah. a young girl, young daughter within your home, what would you recommend to possibly work on either as a parent with your daughter as part of your Lenten sacrifice or an idea to have your daughter work on during Lent if she's in those, that teenage area of life? I would say, first of all, you know, girls, women are actually have more suicidal ideation than men. Men, unfortunately, are more, quote unquote, successful at carrying out their attempts at suicide. So the rates of suicide for men is higher than for women and, and same with boys and girls. But I would say this, first of all, you got to look at the sources. What is causing that sense of depression and anxiety? What's causing that overwhelming feeling? If there was one thing I could point to that is very different, extraordinarily different today than it was 10 years, 20 years, 30 mm-hmm. years ago, it's social media. Yep. As a parent, I would say help them get off of social media. At least significantly restrict the time that you spend on it. There is just... There is not a, I can't think of any good research that supports the idea that more social media is better for you. And what we're finding is both for kids and adults, about 40% of people now actually have an addiction to social media. Addictions aren't healthy. They're not good. You know, and we make these social comparisons. And especially when you're a young girl, young boy, you know, you want to fit in, you want to feel like you're enough. But those darn hormones are making your world crazy. They're making you doubt yourself. Your moods fluctuate. So it's a very, very challenging time. So as a parent, I'd say, look, you know, you've got to step in. You've got to help your kids make that tough decision and and take away or move away from the social media. You know, if, if it's just severely or significantly limiting it, okay, that's fine. You know, if you say, Okay, do everything, go out, you play, we have dinner together, we pray, we do all these activities, and then you get 15 minutes of social media or something like that. You know, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just throwing that number out. Mm-hmm. But you've got to replace that. You know, you've got to right. give the kids something to do with that time. 
And even the studies have shown that going for 30 minutes a day is even too much. And I think that's fascinating to dive into. And my guest on Friday is from ScreenStrong.com, which is really to help tighten down the screens in your home, in your own life, especially with youth. So that'll be a really great conversation in line with what's kind of going on with teen girls. But I appreciate your candidness about that, Joe, of just getting off social media. It's so difficult. It's so difficult, but it truly, I mean, that's what's at the detriment of girls' souls and their actual lives today with regard to this high suicide um, consideration rate among teen girls. Yeah, absolutely. There's. I actually devote a chapter to it. I have a chapter on addiction, and then I have a chapter on social media and media addiction. And there's, uh, again, in the book, because that's part of what's driving us crazy. It's really separating ourselves from what is true and good and healthy is social media because the truth is a lot of it's a lie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you post a picture of yourself looking terrific, all made up at the most <laughs> nicest restaurant or whatever else. But the truth is life is messy. That's not how we live most of our day. So, right. you know, right. I was even just with a lie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, you know, I was just thinking about the reality of this. You know, I share different things on social media and then I'll go to mass and someone will know me and I'm like, OK, uh, today I looked really haggard. My daughter was screaming or and my brother and his girlfriend came over for dinner the other day and it was just did not end up being the best day for our house. Probably one of our worst days in terms of cleanliness of our house. And my toddler, my had somehow been running around naked and I never let her run around naked and she didn't take a nap. And so like they're getting this screenshot of my home in this couple hour window of time they're there. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, what did they think about having children now? But at the same time, it's good to see that reality, but we don't see the messy reality that all of us have the ups and downs of when we see those cute baby pictures on social media or whatever it is people are presenting themselves as in their avatars. Yeah. You know, I I was thinking this, you know, while you were talking, I thought, okay, what would be an experiment that you could do? uh, Right. And I actually talk about this in in my book because I have at the end of each chapter, I have exercises or next steps. And and sometimes I'll create and say, okay, you do this experiment with yourself. You don't have to believe me, but I would say, do this, do an experiment, spend one hour on social media, go ahead, do everything that you want, TikTok, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, I I would really prefer that you not do it, but the truth is you're probably doing it anyway. And then rate your experience one to 10, 10, man, I feel great at the end of it. That was really wonderful. What a, what a beautiful way to spend an hour. (laughs) Okay. Rate it, but be honest. You know, if it's a six, it's a six. Then part B of your experiment is go out and play. Actually go get messy, (laughs) romp around, hike, laugh. Uh, you know, play, pick up basketball or, or football or kick the can or whatever it is. Do something physical, get messy, get out in nature. And after that hour, then rate your experience. Again, one to 10. 10 was really fantastic. One was a horrible time. And I almost guarantee you that if you looked at it and said, okay, my experiment says getting out and playing, being messy, engaging with other people, living life, that actually contributes more to my happiness than social media. So that would be what I'd say as an experiment. 
And that's a really great experiment because it will help you be aware after the fact. Okay, I spent that whole hour. How did I feel during that hour? And then you compare it to going outside or whatever it is that you do to connect with people. You're going to feel and enjoy much more that hour you spent not on social media versus on social media. Even reading a book. I would be much happier if I spent one hour reading a book in isolation than being on social media. I mean, we just don't realize that, especially because our culture hasn't fostered that because social media is meant to keep us addicted and using it. That's how they make money. Uh, Joe Secor today on Trending. If you'd like to ask a question, ask your therapist today, 1-888-914-9149, especially as you're deciding what to do. This la- A question came in um, from Jenny from Flagstaff, Arizona. She said, I was baptized in 2003. Um, she was not a cradle Catholic. She came into the church in 2003, fell away, and she said, what would you say... Uh, a Catholic needs to do to come back into the faith? What does a Catholic need to do day to day to come back? You know, let me, let me answer that question with an analogy, because let's say you get married and the chances of a marriage surviving first marriages are about 50%. The marriages of a second marriage surviving or divorce are about 60%. Third marriages, chance of divorce is 70%. Now, let me step back because this is an analogy. But if you are struggling in your marriage, which most people do at some time or another, you will struggle. What I say is be curious, ask questions, stop doing, stop focusing on the fight, stop focusing on what is wrong and be curious about each other. Engage in small acts of kindness or goodness. See what is good. That would do more to support a healthy marriage than focusing on the problems. So if you take that and extrapolate that and say, okay, what are the messages? What could I do then to become a more engaged Catholic? Be curious about your faith. You know, get dive into it. It's like, okay, these are the readings. Why are these readings important? What is God really saying here? You know, be curious about your faith because let's face it, as Catholics, we have the most extraordinarily rich faith tradition I know I'm biased, <laughs> but I, that I can think of, right? I mean, it's, it's extraordinary, the celebration of the Mass and the, and the sacraments and everything else. But we're not interested because we're not engaged. The same thing would be with a relationship. If you were in a relationship and you weren't engaged, at some point you would fall out of love with that person. You would fall out of interest. So I think normally when people say, ah, just you know, it's just not that important to me. It's because the choice that you're making, you're choosing not to be engaged. So be curious, whatever that would mean to that person. I appreciate that. Be curious and actually like dive into your rich faith tradition. And I love what the saints said before us. Uh, They say it time and time again, spend 30 minutes in prayer every day. Do morning prayer, do night prayer, make sure you do an examination of conscience and go to confession at least once monthly and receive Holy Communion as often as you can. So I guess to answer the question, if you're having a hard time, if you're trying to figure out, you know, coming back to the church, maybe this Lent, you spend 40 days really diving in, doing those prayers, going going to Mass, receiving uh, the Sacrament of Reconciliation once a month, like doing these things, as Joe said, like be curious, go and do them and say, why am I doing them? Why am I enjoying them? Uh, And just a book I'll throw out there uh, that's helpful. Trent Horn wrote a book called Why We're Catholic, Our Reasons for Faith, Hope, and Love. Definitely recommend that. We'll post the link on social media uh, for you to check out as well. That's been Joe Sakura today on the day of the launch of his new book, The Whole World is Going Crazy, 
but you don't have to. A scriptural and psychological response. Check him and his workout at joesecora.com. That's J-O-E-S-I-K-O-R-R-A.com. I'll be right back here on Trending. It's Ash Wednesday. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. It's Ash Wednesday, also known as Catholic Singles Awareness Day. Just look for the ashes and look at that ring finger. That gives you all the information you need if you're single. Uh, Lo and behold, one of the challenges I love to pose every single year for the last about seven years now is the black and white challenge. Wow, it's been seven years. Okay, so for seven years now, I have had my phone on black and white. That's right. The screen is on black and white. Why? Because the color trips out our brains, creating these chemical cocktails from the dings, the pings, the notifications, the color, the apps, everything to make us spend more time using our phones and social media. So I changed my phone to black and white seven years ago. Huge change. I remember I've told this story many times before. In the first days of having done this, you you kind of get that itch in your hand to just check your phone. I had one of those itches. I was in the car. um, I don't know if I was driving or at a stoplight. That's how bad it was. I don't pick up my phone um, in the car now. Uh, But I was having that itch to pick up my phone. And I pick up my phone and I look at it and it's black and white. And I literally said this out loud, talking to my phone. I said, You are so dissatisfying. And I toss the phone down. That's how strong the use of our phone's technological capability is to draw us in. So do the black and white challenge. There's my article on relevantradio.com about how to do the black and white challenge. But the bottom line is this. You make your phone screen black and white. If you don't know how to do that, There are ways to do it. Google it. Work with your phone. It takes a few minutes. Someone just sent me a message earlier today saying, I'm working on the black and white challenge. It was really, really difficult to figure out how to do this on an Android, but I did it. And so let me know if you do the challenge. So here's the objective of the entire thing. It's to detach yourself from the constant inching of your hand to pick up your phone, the whole idea of instant communication, or just the mindless flipping through apps that we tend to do that causes actually anxiety within us, uh, dissatisfaction, even checking notifications and emails. You also want to sil- you want to enjoy silence this Lent. So turning off all the dings and the pings, the notifications, turn it all off. It will allow you more space for silence, for self-reflection, for spontaneous prayer. It gives you that space where you don't constantly have to be doing something, such as being on your phone. You can be a human being rather than a human doing, which is not what we're called. It'll help you to practice self-control. By intentionally not using your phone, it actually helps you to stay more focused on the tasks at hand. And again, it offers that opportunity for prayer rather than being distracted. Turn off the notifications. And I would also argue it really allows you to savor the things, people, and experiences around you, whether you're outdoors, you're sitting at home, you see that piece of religious artwork in your home, you know, you, you'll you see more of what your child's up to. And you can see when, you know, your little girl, as I see my little girl in the moments that she runs and is playing on her own, she's looking up here and there to check to see if I'm looking to get that affirmation that's so important. 
All of this savoring gives you time to enjoy the outdoors, to actually make time to read the Bible. You'd be amazed by how much time is wasted uh, just checking your phone over and over again. If you need to, get a watch. I really try to make sure that my oven clock and these different clocks around the house are set so that I can actually see what time it is without turning to my phone and then becoming distracted by it. Lent's meant to be a time to change our lives and renew our attachments to God and disconnect from those sinful habits that we have that are detrimental for for our souls. And this will all prepare us to celebrate Christ and the resurrection. So it's a really, really great way uh, to make that space and time in your life by doing the black and white challenge. Again, we'll post a link on social media. I'd love to hear from you if you're doing it. You can give me a call during the show. Let me know how it's going. I love it to this day. And just fun fact, even if your phone's on black and white and you take photos, um, they come out in color. So I do have a setting where I can change it to color so that I can see those photos later on. But it's been very, very helpful for me uh, to do that um, perpetually, not just during Lent. As I said, it's been seven years now. Uh, So try it out. I highly recommend it. And I just want to share with you a little prayer from a morning prayer today. If you've ever prayed the Liturgy of the Hours, by the way, that's another idea for something you can do this Lent, is pray the Liturgy of the Hours. There's set prayers every single day uh, for morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. Um, It's part of the tradition in the Liturgy of the Church. Priests and religious sisters uh, pray these prayers, but at the conclusion of morning prayer this morning, I thought the prayer was very um, helpful as we head into Lent. It says, Grant, O Lord, We'll pray this together. Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting, this campaign of Christian service, so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. This prayer is rich in helping us to understand we begin with holy fasting so that it will lead us to service. So sacrifice should orient us towards service. Then the prayer talks about how we're in a spiritual battle against spiritual evils. We're raging, we're waging war against the enemy in the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we're being armed with weapons of self-restraint through our Lord Jesus Christ. Make that this time. Wage war on the sin that is occurring in your life, on the sin that's in society of apathy, preventing us from making the change that needs to happen in our communities, in our homes, in our personal lives, all by the grace of God. Make that happen this Lent, because this is the opportunity to do that. So often, it's unfortunate people wait until Lent to start living their Catholic faith. Great, Wake up. It's Ash Wednesday. I think those ashes, if you've not been to Mass, are often a wake-up call. Even for me, going forward to receive the ashes, I kept thinking, uh, you know, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. That's what I had in my head. And then I go up and Father says very strongly, repent and believe in the gospel. And I needed that wake-up call. I'm glad those were the words that he specifically said to me today when going up to receive my ashes. Repent. It's time to step away from all of that sin that is bogging us down and making us so heavy. You struggle with anxiety. You struggle with depression. You struggle with anger. You struggle with fear. 
offered our all to God, go running to the sacrament of reconciliation and start receiving our Lord Jesus Christ regularly in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Receive him in the Eucharist. Studies have been done, secular studies, a JAMA study was done about five-ish years ago talking about how women who go to daily Mass have a very, very low, next to no rate at all of depression, anxiety, or suicidality. Teenage Girls, CDC, comes out with a report this week about how badly teenage girls are struggling. One in three girls have seriously considered suicide. One in five girls have experienced some form of sexual violence in the past year. Three in five girls felt persistently sad and hopeless. The only thing that is going to change what's happening in the culture is Jesus Christ. Pass that faith on to your children. Foster it, cultivate it in your own life. And this is the time to do that this Lent. And remember, just as Jesus Christ spent 40 days in the desert before entering into his public ministry, these 40 days aren't just meant to be 40 days of really being Catholic. They're meant to prepare us to live a greater faith and grace-filled life than we ever have before. And so use this Lent as that opportunity. I've heard the question come up multiple times over the last couple days on social media. You're asking, how do I make a sacrifice this Lent? I remember I once attended a talk in college, my freshman year of college, by a nun. And she said, start by offering your day each day. The moment your alarm goes off, the moment you wake up, choose a person to offer your day for. And then unite all the opportunities for sacrifice for that person. Maybe it's a sibling, a parent, a friend. But at the beginning of your day, choose that person. And every opportunity you have to sacrifice, live that day as a sacrificial offering, giving it to God for the loved ones in your life. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Happy Ash Wednesday. And again, if you're single, now's the day. They're labeled out there. Men, women with ashes and no rings. It's your opportunity to go shopping and be on the prowl in the Catholic world today. So get dressed up. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Thursday, my guest is Mark Houck. You probably know him. Mark Houck's home was invaded by FBI agents holding him and his family at gunpoint for being pro-life and helping women in front of the abortion clinic. This happened last September. He has since recently been exonerated. He's going to share his story and what's next and what actually happened Thursday on Trending. So join me at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.